All right, welcome to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I am your host, Jordan Overturf, and I made it in time for the registration deadline on Monday. Did you? Did you get signed up to vote in the March 3rd primary? I got to tell you, I'm real excited about this. I, uh, Of course, I'm a geek for this, but uh, primary season is always a fun, fun time to see what are the ideas out there and what are the competing ideas in these primary races where folks, uh, you know, either get decided here in March or they at least get a ticket to November where they will go before the general electorate and try and convince them to vote for them. That's right. I am looking forward to voting here in Williamson County for the first time. Uh, and somehow we managed to not get any Williamson County candidates on here. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but I guess I'll have to work harder next time. In the meantime, my guest today, her name is Kronda. Kronda Timich is running in House District 65. This is the second in a row of interviews with candidates on the Republican side of this race. There are four women competing in House District 65, two on the Democrat side, two on the Republican side. Yesterday, we talked to Nancy Klein. Today, we got Kronda talking about her experience on the uh, school board, on building up a family business, on all the things that she thinks makes her the best candidate for House District 65. So I am going to get out of the way and let her tell you all about that, all about those experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Ms. Kronda Timich. Um, my husband and I met at Texas Tech University back in 1987. We were both studying landscape architecture where we um, went on to graduate and start our own business here in Louisville out of our garage in 1989. We've now grown it to over uh, 65 employees um, with a business here still in House District 65. We have four children, one of which um, works for us now, a daughter that's graduated from college, a son who's getting ready to graduate from Oklahoma State and a daughter that's getting ready to graduate from high school. And so we um, have been involved in the community with our business, with our um, church. We've, I've been involved as a Republican precinct chair and on the um, executive committee here for the Republican Party in Denton County for several years, um, as well as the president of the Republican Women of Denton Collins, Dallas County. I'm currently serving my second term as a Louisville ISD school board trustee. And your second part of your question was, got me into this. I've been active in helping other candidates in our um, community as well as our county run. And so when I had the opportunity to know that Ron Simmons was not going to be running again, I prayed about it for three days. My husband and I and family and some pastors prayed with us. And I just opened it up to the community and reached out to some Republican leaders I respect, some elected officials and community leaders, and just asked, I'm considering running, but this is we, not me, campaign. And I, in a handful of days, had over 160 people that said, absolutely, I should run. They're willing to stand behind me when I run, and they've been on the ground helping me since day one. And um, I'm really excited with the momentum our campaign has had. Excellent. Well, I like that idea of a we, not me uh, campaign. So as you go out there, what's been kind of the, uh, the thing that surprised you most about, you know, the transition from running from school board to running for state representative? You know what? 
I'm probably in a, a little bit more unique position than others that have been on school board because, as you know, school board's actually a nonpartisan race. We have them in May. But um, the last, when I ran my second term in 2018, um, I had an open Democrat opponent whose treasurer was the uh, Democratic chair for Denton County. And so um, it was run as, you know, so I already began to get a taste of what it was like to run partisan politics because, you know, my opponent ran it as a uh, Democrat campaign with full support, including our current state rep, um, Dick Bonblast, for my school board opponent. And so that really, I think, equips me to understand what it's going to take to transition. And so I think that that's really helped. Um, you know, running also LISD, my current school board in LISD is 127 square miles. So I'm actually about a third the size for House District 65 when it comes to land mass. And so I think that that's a little bit more unique than most people. But um House District 65 is 75% encompasses Louisville ISD with 25% for Carrollton Farmers Branch. My husband graduated from a Carrollton Farmers Branch school. My family and mother-in-law still live in Carrollton Farmers Branch. So, you know, I have deep roots in both communities. Um, my father-in-law was the treasurer for the Boy Scouts in Carrollton for 35 years. So I feel like that there's some unique aspects um, that I have with my experience. So as you go out there and you talk to voters, what are some of the issues that they are are bringing to you? What are some of the priority issues for voters in HD 65? You know, I've, I've block, been block walking since um, in the beginning of September. I've, lo- I've hit over 1,250 doors personally knocking and talking to our people. And I'd say the top three, and I will, I will have a second part to that, but the top three are going to be our borders. Um, are pro-life and then talking about um, property tax and property tax relief. Um, however, I can tell you in the last couple of weeks, uh, one of the conversations that I think our Republicans are really fired up about is that mess that our um, president is having to go through um, up in Washington. And, you know, I, I, people know that I'm headed to Austin, but they're like, if I can do anything to help President Trump, they're asking that I please do because they're just tired of the games that the Democrats are playing. Now, that's interesting to hear that come from that district, especially, you know, since in 2018, there, you know, there's speculation on who and what orchestrated the flip of that district. Uh, Do you feel like there are more supporters out there who will show up in this uh, next election cycle because of President Trump being on the ballot? Yes, and I think that there's a couple of answers to that. Because I'm on the executive committee for the Republican Party, I can tell you that in Denton County, we had 96,000, that's 96,000 regular voting Republicans that did not show up to the polls in 2018. I think that a lot of folks, and even folks that I talked to afterwards, well, you know, we're always Republican. We always win. Well, I knew my neighbor was going to the polls. I mean, I think that there was just an assumption that we were just going to continue. Um, I also can tell you that um, Beto came, I think it was... uh, three or four times to our uh, county, including House District 65. I was in the parking lot um, meeting with voters and talking about the importance of the race and uh, supporting our candidates. And Beto came a block and a half away from the polling location after he left. I mean, there were just dozens of people that had come in that were, I've never voted before, but I'm all in for Beto. 
Um, he told us it's just we get to do one punch voting. We get to hit the top of that ticket and support all of our candidates. And so I think part of it was complacency within the Republican Party, which we are not going to take for granted. This next time, we're already working on it. We're already working with um, all of our elected officials that are on the ballot, both in the primary and in the general, to ensure that complacency does not happen again. Um, and I think that, you know, my opponent just had the benefit of one-touch voting, and people just like the first name at the top of that ballot, and that's what they went for. Well, and now we have one-touch voting gone, you know, single-punch uh ballots are no longer going to be uh, instituted in this state. So that'll change some of the dynamics Um, beyond complacency, uh, you know, which again, the president being on the ballot is going to drive more folks out to, to cast their votes. But what do you think are some other issues that will activate Republicans this cycle? So other issues that, that will activate, you know, I can tell you um, getting involved, I mean, a lot of people definitely are, Trump has been one of the probably leading topics that I've had when I've been going to doors. I can actually tell you from the, the doors that I've been talking to and the people that I've talked to, not just knocking at doors, but I'm involved in Rotary, I'm involved in Chambers and several other nonprofit worlds. I think a lot of it's also going to be wanting a state representative that's engaged that is willing to meet with people. When you drive down to Austin and you set up an appointment and you want to discuss issues important to House District 65, that you have a state legislator that listens to you and is willing to um, talk to you about issues. I mean, we may be on different sides of the page, but as my elected official and I make an appointment to meet with you five times, I should have the respect of you showing up to that meeting. You know, I've heard incumbent is Rice University said is the 11th most liberal um, Democrat in the state house and that that doesn't sit well with our party she doesn't a lot or not our party but our community I mean I'm talking to even Democrats and um, independents and Republicans I'm talking to our current state rep does not align with the values and the needs of our community well, and it's shocking that she was able to muster any kind of a record to begin with because she wasn't successful in any of her legislative initiatives, correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. She, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'll just say that I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I've heard um, even from comments that were made um, with the paths that we crossed that she was surprised she didn't um, know, even know that, you know, there was a possibility of her winning. I got to um, listen to the, the Texas Tribune less than 24 hours after the election. They were Googling her name because they didn't even know who she was and she had won the seat. So I really think it was just a result of the win from Beto. So I've actually heard her speak previously about the past legislative session. And as someone who is sitting on a school board currently watching what happened in 2019, do you think uh, Representative Beckley paints an accurate picture when she says, you know, nothing was done, we didn't actually achieve anything for education, that, uh, you know, the, the money put toward property tax relief and recapture isn't actually helping districts? No, I, I- I think that she doesn't understand. And what she doesn't understand is that um, a, a lot of different issues. One, we were, Texas is a big, dis, 
big state. We have urban, suburban, and rural districts. And I think she's looking at, I mean, I, from an LISD, Louisville Independent School District perspective, no. I mean, we are, our recapture has significantly gone down. Our tax rate is now 97 cents for our voters and our community members and taxpayers. Um, we received funding for um, dyslexia. We've gotten other things that we need in the school district. And so I am not sure. I think that there are talking points for her that maybe fell in the community. But I would say, you know, for, from school boards across the district that I've been act, active in, including um, being uh, a master trustee, I went through that training a year ago, had an opportunity to be in school districts from, you know, West Texas, where the, the towns literally still have, you know, dirt roads in their communities to large urban districts. And, you know, I, we know that HB3 did some significant work. And this is the first time that our state legislators did a lot of work without having it court ordered. And I think we absolutely need to applaud our legislators for what they've done um, on their own initiative without having a judge telling them that they have to do it. Yeah, uh, I think Texas is tired of uh, fighting these battles in the courtroom and uh, are a little bit have to be a little bit relieved that we're we're escaping uh, that cycle. So what is an issue for you personally that you are taking to voters that you're talking about uh, that you want to see some action on if you are elected to the Texas legislature? You know, as a, a business owner who started my business out of our garage and I, for, that we've had for over 30 years in signing the front and the back of a, a paycheck, I can tell you that our economy is something that I really want to be focused on. We know that if Texas were its own um, nation, that we would be 10th in the world for GDP. I know that government regulation and oversight is things that have hurt our business. As a business owner, there have been times when we had the recession in 2008. Um, my husband and I held our paychecks to make sure that our employees received the, the their, they could cash their checks to feed their families. And so we've chosen to go without when there was times because we knew that we needed, we were supporting our, um, our employees, which are for us are like families. And so for us, for me, the focus I think is going to continue to be our business. We need to continue. People are, I mean, we're in the, we're at 80,000 students a year coming to Texas. Those are with parents and families because of our economy. And we have to make sure that we continue to be the success. And I think the star in, you know, in the United States, because this is where people are moving, even Denton County. I mean, just yesterday I got to hear Judge Andy East. I mean, we're having 100 people a day that are moving to Denton County. They're coming to Denton County, you know, that's because of the resources we have, the economic opportunities, the business opportunities, and we cannot allow um, any of that to be taken for granted or to give that away. How do we change the conversation from the partisan divide and get more people, especially you know, young people are coming directly out of college, have a more liberal bent uh, because they're having emotional responses to the issues? How do we change the conversation to get more people to understand that Republicans have answers, you know, and to actually sit down and come to the table and work together as opposed to con continuing to foment the 
divisiveness that is paralyzing our culture at this moment? You know, I have three millennials um, that in my house, and I can tell you that from my perspective, I think with anything, if you want somebody to listen to you um, and hear what you have to say and have input in that, you need to first understand where they're coming from, and I think they need to feel like they've, they've been heard. And you need to, to genuinely listen, not just listen with your answer and reply. I think that when you're in it's kind of that conversation of either having it at the, you know, at the dinner table or walking alongside some, aside, aside someone, you can't just, I think so often, you know, with our previous generations, I think that sometimes we wanted to say, this is the answer and this is why we need to do it. And that's why that's, that's how I was, was raised. You know, my parents said, this is the right answer and this is what you're going to do. But our millennials, you know, they're they're amazing. They're doing fantastic things, but they want to know why. And and I think that those are answers that we ourselves, as Republicans, need to, to know. Why do we believe something? We need to be, you know, able to articulate our beliefs, and then we need to be able to listen to them and speak into it. Because you know, we're talking about some of our younger generations. They're actually going to be more conservative, especially on issues like pro-life. And so we need to engage with them. We also need to value their opinion because I can tell you as with my three millennials, nothing is more frustrating than to be discounted because they have an opinion and yet it's not respected because they've not earned a position at the table to talk about it. And I think we need to stop doing that to our young um our younger generations, we need to listen to them to value what is value what they have to say, and then ask you know allow them to ask questions of us and not be afraid of having um, you know different answers. I also think that that part of it is it's okay for a friend to be eighty percent on the same page without being a hundred percent. You know, eighty percent your friend is not twenty percent your enemy, and I think that we really need to continue um, with that vein of thought. That's a great way to look at it. And I, I, part of the reason we started this podcast was to, you know, give more candidates a chance to be able to voice their message and articulate what it is they're trying to do and open up that dialogue. So they're hearing from you in a long form discussion and then can follow up uh, after hearing these nuanced responses. Uh, this race in particular uh, on both sides is interesting because we have all four female candidates running. So it's real hard to play identity politics in this type of race. How do you stand out and a field of four women? Well, you know what, Jordan? I think that I have been able to stand out in a field with four women based on my experience. What um, the work that I've been doing in the community for decades, um, if you look at my list of endorsements on my website, which is CronaForTexas.com, you'll see over 400 Republicans, elected officials, grassroots advocates, um, advocates, you know, nonprofit leaders, faith-based leaders, you know, people that know me both personally and professionally, and a lot of names on that list that know my opponents personally and professionally, and they know the, what we can bring to the table, and they've chosen to endorse me. And so I really feel like that if you're going to step back and you understand um, that if you are able to look at that list of endorsements, you could call any one of those, and the They've known me long enough to know that what I stand for, I'm going to commit to, and I'm going to work hard for, and I'm not afraid to engage 
and go down to the mat for issues that are important to me, as well as I'm willing to stand alone. If there's an issue that's important to House District 65, um, I want to make sure that our, our voice is heard. Do you feel like having run these nonpartisan races previously has given you a little bit of an advantage and that you can build up a base of support that doesn't start with the party? Obviously, you're heavily involved uh, with Denton County Republicans uh, and you've forged those relationships. But, you know, a run for the school board, like you said, is vastly different because there isn't a partisan divide. So do you feel like you've got a base of support that kind of goes beyond party lines, giving you maybe a little bit of an advantage that Ron Simmons didn't have in 2018? Oh, absolutely. And you can, you will, if you take a chance, I mean, I'm proud to say that I have over 250 um, people that have been able to con- contribute to my campaign. Um, over 150 now of those are supporters in House District 65. They're donating to my campaign. And on that list are people that are Democrats, independents, moderates, libertarians, and strong Republicans. And I think those are people that just know me, know what I stand for, and they understand that um, that, they're, that they can trust the decisions that I'm going to make will be best for our dis- um, district, and they know how hard I'm willing to work. And I think being in a, the school board position, the strong support that I have in the education community, the faith-based Republican, and just the chamber, the rotary, just being out because of my business, I'm literally crisscrossing House District 65 on a daily basis. I mean, just even from running into Mayor Wilcox and Highland Village at breakfast, breakfast this morning to having a meeting with Mayor Kevin Falconer on Friday here in Carrollton, you know, I just in, in the community, I have boots on the ground and really have that, that opportunity to hear things that other people and my opponents don't have. And so I feel like, yes, school board will absolutely help me. It helps you, it helps me with the campaign piece, but I think that the business and the nonprofit work and the advocacy work that I have just transcends, you know, even a Republican or Democrat line when it comes down to the general election in November. Now, as we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the voters in HD 65. Here's your chance to give them your pitch. Why should they vote for Kronda in HD 65? Well, I would absolutely welcome the opportunity to meet and talk about my campaign for House District 65. I know that I have the experience, I have the knowledge, I have the work base. Um, to win this not only in the primary but in the general because I'm a proven entrepreneur who um, has started a family business out of our garage um, from nothing, literally with my husband and I working two jobs um, that has launched that. And I also understand as a business owner for over 30 years the impact of excessive taxation, the regulation and government intervention on jobs and the economy, and I will be a strong voice for small businesses and taxpayers. I'm also the only GOP candidate who's announced nearly four or over 400 endorsements from a broad section of community leaders, elected officials, and grassroots Republicans demonstrating my ability to bring people together. And um, people know that in Austin, I will work hard. I want to work hard to defend life, protect our taxpayers, um, to close our poorest borders, and to preserve, most importantly, one of the things for me is to preserve our values for future generations. You know, being in the education sphere, I know how important our future is. 
Um, we're dependent on that. And I want to make sure that um, children that are coming and grandchildren and great-grandchildren coming behind us have the same um, incredible opportunities that we have today. Excellent. Well, for anyone who wants to find more information about you or your campaign, uh, give them your website, social media, all that stuff. Great. Thank you, Jordan. Well, absolutely, my name is Kronda Timish, and that's the first thing that we go over a couple of times when I'm at the door. It's K-R-O-N-D-A, Kronda, www.kronda4fortexas.com. On my Instagram, it's Kronda for Texas. On Twitter, it's Kronda for Texas. And my um, Facebook is Kronda for Texas. Just make sure you spell Kronda right, K-R-O-N-D-A. And um, thankfully, I think I'm the only one in Denton County, um, probably in Texas so far that I've found. So if you get it spelled right, I'll be easy to find. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on with us today. I appreciate it. Well, Jordan, thank you so much, and I look forward to, um, you know, continuing to listen to your podcast. I really appreciate it, and, um, Lan, I just loved your support for um, Gates, and I was really excited to see that he won, and, you know, I think just all of us working together and our young Republicans and just, you know, you know, I was just encouraged to hear you, you know, saying if, you're, if you can vote, get out and vote, don't miss it, take off work early, and so thank you for the work you're doing um, for all of us in Texas. All right. Thank you again to Karanda for coming on. Uh, we appreciate her joining us by phone. Not all of these uh, interviews can be conducted face-to-face, and we appreciate any candidates who make time for the Big Texas Podcast. If you want to find more about Karanda, you can find her on Facebook, Karanda Timich for Texas House. You can also visit her website, KarandaForTexas.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Kronda for Texas. That's K-R-O-N-D-A for Texas. Thank you again to Kronda and Nancy Klein for coming on to the show. We really appreciate the candidates uh, making time, especially in these races where we have multiple primary candidates going at it head to head. Great, great opportunity to sit down and get some uh, real long form answers. You know, uh, I love these candidate forums because they're so quick paced, but every now and then you want a chance to really get a, get an opportunity to learn more about these candidates. So that's what we're doing here at the big Texas podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. If you are subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're getting this podcast. And while you're there, leave us a rating. It really helps boost the profile of the big Texas podcast, which in turn helps these candidates and helps Texas young Republicans grow. If you want to find us on Twitter and Instagram at big Texas podcast, And make sure that you're following Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TexasYRs. We're real easy to find. We are going to be out so busy. Like I said, there's only a month to go before the primary, less than at this point. And uh, candidates are just going to be running their tails off. So we're going to keep these candidate interviews coming. And we look forward to talking to as many people as possible until this primary gets kicked off. Until then, friends, we'll see you down the road.